Hello, nosy neighbors. This is Mary. And this is Kylie. And you are listening to Sipping with Snapped, a true crime podcast. Hi, neighbors. Hola. <laughs> I have some updates before we begin. Yes. What's new? Episode 56, Mo Wilson. Mm-hmm. Catherine Armstrong was sentenced to 90 years in prison. Wow. Mo Wilson was the cyclist yes. that was killed. Yes. Mm-hmm. But this is the yoga instructor. So she was convicted. Sentenced to 90. 90 years. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, AKA like a life sentence. Yes. And episode 104, Nohima Graber, the Spanish teacher. Who got killed by her pupil. Oh, yes. So Jeremy, the blonde one, Mm -hmm. he got life in prison with possibility of parole after 25 years. Okay. So he's 18 now. Wow. So he could get out late 30s. Or 40s. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Wow. Early 40s. Yes. Yeah, early 40s. Yep. All right. That's so sad. That one was so senseless. That verdict came back in less than three hours. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was black and white. Oh, it was crazy. He did it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he cried. He cried the whole time. He was caught. Yep. I have a question for you. What's up? So our neighborhood, we have trash bins that we bring out to the curb twice a week. Mm -hmm. And there's a social media for our neighborhood. Like a Facebook page? Yes. Yeah. I just said social media so it doesn't like pigeonhole. Oh, I mean, that makes sense. Because when you say social media, I'm like, you guys have your own app? (laughs) (laughs) yeah neighbor well sometimes it's that neighborhood next door or whatever oh you know what yeah there is its own website so dog poop oh yeah so when you're walking around you pick up your dog poop and you have the bag Mm -hmm. is it or is it not okay to put it in a neighbor's bin on trash day i think it's fine as long as it's on trash day that has not yet been collected so don't put it in the empty bin yeah okay that's like a big debate around here on that social media page. Really? Mm-hmm. Like, is it okay? Because, I mean, depending on how far out I am, and I mean, Logan takes some stinky poops, I will yes. divert wherever I am uh-huh. to wherever the closest trash can is. <laughs> right? Because I'm like, ugh. So if it's right there... Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about if a neighbor put their bin out the night before and you're walking your dog that night? Still put it in or no? Yeah. Yeah. I think as long as it's out there before it's been taken, because like empty bin, mm-hmm. that's a bitch move. Yes. Because can you imagine you go to take it back in and it's just like... Because most of the bins gross. are dog stored poop. in the garage. Yeah. And the last thing you need in the hot garage is dog is- poop. Yeah, yeah so especially if you don't have it yeah it can't go in an empty bin it's got to go because it's about to be taken out okay because that's the whole like that's the caveat to it is that you know it will be removed within the mm-hmm. next few hours like oh yeah it's gonna be gone soon it's a huge thing yeah it's a huge debate right now so let us know listeners right well here too in new england i live in an apartment and we get messages all the time saying the poo fairy doesn't work here because as soon as it gets cold <laughs> yes it seems like people aren't picking up their poop Ooh. and then now that it's snow on the ground uh-huh. it then it looks like we've got chocolate chip ice cream out here just oh, gross. Like, 
I've known people who would left it if it's a storm, a rainstorm. Yeah. They're like, well, it's just gonna get washed away. I'm like, is it though? No. Is it? Right? Like how it's not movie style rain where it's sleeting down, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's just gonna Scrub. get power hosed away. No. Ugh. Then it just, it's gonna make it smell worse. Yeah. Always pick up your poop. Be a responsible dog owner. Although I always think about it and how the, oh, there's so much poop in the world that's just in little bags yes. <laughs> like I, I do know. think about that part of it sometimes in the landfills yes because mm-hmm. it doesn't decompose, decompose but what's inside <laughs> does decompose so it's interesting they do have those bags that are decomposable yeah mm-hmm. i wonder if that's i just use what they provide here yeah gonna have to invest in those soon <laughs> <laughs> now i would like to applaud the neighbors that are doing dry january yes Good for you guys. You go again, Coco. However, <laughs> I am not. Nope. We are our we've got too much going on. <laughs> I went to a baby shower and it's funny because it was on the sixth mm-hmm. and there were so many people that were I think were good for like the first five days. <laughs> yes. And we're like, you know what? Nah, we're not gonna go for it. Yep. <laughs> it's been dry for a week. Yeah, exactly. I was <laughs> like, way to go, Gary. It's right there on the cusp of when people would either be like, All right, I've done it in a week, so I'm doing it mm-hmm. or I've only it's only been a few days, so <laughs> kinda like going to the gym. Yes, yep. exactly. The sixth that's the deciding day. <laughs> that's it. Get over that hump. Uh-huh. Today we are traveling across the pond. Uh-huh. We are going to one of my favorite places in England. Yes. I looked up Camden's rather brilliant cheeky drinks. Ooh, so what are we drinking? I chose the Prims. Uh-huh. It's called the Prims. Mm-hmm. And it's a classic British cocktail. Mm-hmm. James Prim owned a London Oyster Bar, and he invented this drink sometime between 1823 and 1840, and he invented it as a health drink. I still, I love that all of these drinks originated for health benefits. <laughs> yes, yes. Makes you feel better, must be good for you. <laughs> yes, the original recipe included a gin. Uh-huh. Uh, it's quinine. Quinine. <laughs> I don't know how it's pronounced. Q-U-I-N-I-N-E. Yeah. Which is a medication used to treat malaria. Yes, that's what they would put in the tonic water. Mm-hmm. And then a secret blend of herbs and digestion aids. Oh, wow. So <laughs> if you didn't already give you the runs for being an alcoholic drink, because let's be real, it makes you <laughs> poop. <laughs> it really just <laughs> went right through you. It helped. It helped. Mm-hmm. Got my coffee in the morning and my prims at night. And I'm a regular guy. <laughs> I could not find prims number one, uh-huh. which is a gin-based liqueur uh-huh. with a deep red color. Yeah. So I'm using plain old gin. I'm calling my modified version Prim's American Cousin. (laughs) (laughs) My recipe is one and a half ounces of gin, Mm -hmm. four and a half ounces of lemonade, cucumber slices, orange slices, and sliced strawberries. Wow. I feel like I want to have this in the summer. Yes. They did say it's a a summer drink, but I saw the gin. I was like, I'm in. (laughs) In a tall glass, fill it with ice, pour in the gin, add lemonade. Mm -hmm. And then add the cucumber slices, orange slices, and strawberry slices to make it look pretty. Oh, 
I can see that, especially with the cucumber. I did not have mint, but you can put mint also in as a garnish. Yeah. In Britain, lemonade refers to a carbonated clear drink with lemons. Oh. Similar to a lemon-lime soda, such as 7-Up. So when they call for lemonade in England or Britain. It's different. It's a lemon-lime soda. It's not the American lemon juice, sugar, and water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Oh, well, that makes me like it even more because I love when things have a splash of carbonation to them. Yes. I'm I'm addicted to it. Give me the little bubbles in my mouth. Mm -mm. So it looks super pretty. It's basically a really cute version of what I already consume. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is my fancy drink for when I don't. Don't use the fruity Seven Up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this is the Prims. Yes, I like it. So here we go. You ready? England. What year is it? It was just before eight, the evening of Tuesday, January third, nineteen thirty-three. Yes, old England. And Mister Wynn of Thirty Holly Crescent, Camden Town, London, was alarmed to find his shed on fire. yes whenever people are awoken to full fires i'm like dang how could you not know (laughs) (laughs) after the fire brigade had exhausted the blaze they found a charred body of a man sitting on a tall chair slumped over a severely burnt desk wow mr Wynn rented the shed so the body was identified by mr Wynn to the renter what father of three 42 two-year-old Samuel J. Furness. So Mr. Wynn is the owner of the property mm-hmm. and rented his shed shed to this father of five. To Samuel. To Samuel. Father of three. Father of three. All right, let me re-say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this guy... Mr. Wynn. Mr. Wynn owns the property mm-hmm. and the shed that he rented to Samuel. Correct. Okay. A note was found in a typewriter on the desk in front of the body, which read, quote, Goodbye all, no work, no money, and then it was signed, Sam J. Furness, unquote. Wait, wait, there's so much to unpack here. His last <laughs> name is Furness, and he died in the flames? Yes, that's horrible. Oh, man, but also, why didn't his note die in the flames? Mm-hmm. If it is enough to char a body, then it's enough to burn paper. Correct. Wow, you could have been an investigator back in 1933. <laughs> Let me put my chalk outline here, see? <laughs> <laughs> but you had to add a British accent. Oh, yeah. I know. How do you do 33 but in England? Yes. <laughs> it was concluded that a candle had been lit in the shed, which had ignited the papers on the desk that quickly spread to paint and oil that was around the candle in that small shed. Oh. Surprisingly, the suicide note was unharmed by the blaze. So he's doing his oil paintings and because <laughs> he's got oils and paints and whatever around the candle and then that could have just been in the shed from mr Wynn. yeah that's true mm-hmm. he's just living amongst the chemicals <laughs> yes he's just working amongst those he's breathing deep oh. well back in 1933 they didn't know that chemicals were bad for you that's true they were like just drink your prims and you'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> sniff that paint thinner yes <laughs> 
a suspicious coroner named William Bentley Purchase decided to examine the body himself. Yeah. He determined that this was neither a suicide nor Samuel Furness that he was dealing with. What? First start, there were bullet holes in the corpse. Oh. And the teeth were that of a younger man, younger than the 43, I'm sorry, younger than the 42-year-old Samuel, who was born in 1889. Oh, you could definitely tell age by teeth back then. It's like rings on a tree, but in reverse. Yes. And the few teeth that you have, the older you are. (laughs) Well, there's an expression called a little long in the tooth, which I didn't get. Oh. As you grow older, your gums recede, so your teeth actually get longer. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So you can look and be like, nah, this is like 20-year-old mouth versus a 40-year-old mouth. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wow. A post-mortem showed that the man had been shot twice in the chest and had been dead before the fire was started because there was no smoke in the lungs. Yeah. You can tell. And no blood at the scene either. So it's not like he was shot at the scene. You know, if he has two bullet holes, well, actually, you wouldn't be able to scratch that. Well, that could have burned. Yeah, exactly. Examination of the clothes on the body revealed a post office savings book with the name Walter Spatchett. What? They didn't take his ID off of him? Yes. Yeah. He didn't check his pockets. Yeah. Or his jacket for a label. Yeah, right. A local doctor confirmed the identity of the dead man. Uh-huh. Walter was 25 years old when he had vanished. Wow. He had 40 pounds in his pocket the day before the fire. Wow. And that's equivalent to, I want to say, about 3,500 pounds today or 4,500 US dollars. Wow. So he had a lot of money on him when he died Mm -hmm. disappeared. Mm -hmm. Walter Spetchett was born in 1908. Mm -hmm. He was a debt collector. Oh who shared office space, a.k.a. shed space, with Samuel. Oh, yep. interesting. Unfortunately, there wasn't much information on Walter other than well, he was a debt collector. Yeah, a debt collector at 25. They're like, we don't need to put anything else about you. No one likes a debt collector. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't know where he grew up. Don't know if he had siblings. Yeah, don't know how we got there, but we know where he ended up. And yeah, not good. Yep. A nationwide manhunt was instituted for Samuel Furness. The real Sam, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did he fake his own death? He made the mistake of sending a letter to his brother-in-law asking him to bring some clothes and to meet him at South End on Sea. And that's a place. Talk about a paper trail. Literally, let me send a paper out into the world. (laughs) With a stamp. Let me go get a stamp and send this to you. Yeah. Let's make it federally marketed that I am here and alive. (laughs) And I need your help. Yeah. The brother-in-law took the letter to the police. Yes. Good. And shadowed by the police... He kept the appointment with Samuel, Mm -hmm. who was ambushed and quickly apprehended on 
January 15th, 1933. So the crime happened on the 3rd, and then he was ambushed on the 15th. Oh, so less than two weeks later. Yes. Wow. I wonder if they had the technology, if they would have had him wear a wire. Oh, that's true. You know, mm-hmm. rather than, because I don't think that they could record. To get a confession type thing. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. To have it in court. They, they couldn't wait for that. They had to just get them at the time. Yeah, like, let's bring you in and talk to you. Yeah. Samuel was then taken to the Kentish Town Police Station. Mm-hmm. In custody, Samuel's cock and bull story... <laughs> Was that Walter was in the shed with him when Samuel's gun, a Weebly revolver, had accidentally discharged twice. Man. (laughs) Yeah, the accidental discharges. I mean, from what I know about guns, which isn't a lot, you've got to have some strength to pull the trigger. Oh, yeah, you do. There's no accidental. Mm -mm. Just knowing that he killed Walter, Samuel decided he would use the opportunity to escape from his financial situation by faking a suicide. Wow. So he left that note. He was going to leave everything behind. Mm-hmm. Like, see ya, three kiddos. Mm-hmm. And wife. You're on your own. Maybe there's a life insurance policy. Who knows? Wow, you're you're good. Hold on. The day after the murder, he returned and set fire to the shed by pouring oil and paint uh, and then lighting the candle uh-huh. and then leaving. Uh. He also left a suicide note and then threw the revolver that he used yep. into the Regent's Canal. Threw it in the river. Wow, so he was in the shed overnight just dead before the body was yes yeah poor mm-hmm. guy after this confession Samuel was charged with murder yes he was never brought to trial what the night after making this statement he complained that he was cold in his cell uh-huh. and he asked for his overcoat to be brought to him so that he could keep warm uh-huh. the next day January 16th when police checked his cell at 7 a.m. They saw Samuel raise something to his mouth. No. The cell was quickly unlocked to find Samuel writhing on the floor. (gasps) He had swallowed hydrochloric acid that was in a small bottle and sewn into the lining of his coat. Oh my God. That's the stuff that makes you foam at the mouth, right? I think it blisters and burns. He was transported to uh, St. Pancras? Pancras? P-A-N-C-R-A-S? Pancras? Pancras? Yeah. yeah. It. I think that it seems confusing because it's close to pancreas. Yeah. Like the, <laughs> yes, but yes. it's not. St. <laughs> Pancras Hospital, where he died 24 hours later on Tuesday, January 17th, 1933. Oh, wow. The coroner's jury found Samuel guilty of Walter's murder. Yeah. So Samuel James Furness murdered another man in order to use the body to fake his own suicide. Yep. Samuel was a builder who ran his own business and he had gotten into some serious financial difficulties. Yeah. He thought that the only way he could get out of the situation was to disappear. Yeah. His final words after drinking that acid uh-huh. was, quote, my dear wife, unquote. Oh. In my opinion, the gallows would have been quicker and less painful. Yes, and not as dramatic. Mm-hmm. Because acid, that's a slow and agonizing way to die. And just, oh, I mean, think of... 
think of when you take a bite of pizza that's too hot and you know how much that hurts yes. and that's just hot pizza uh-huh like uh-huh acid 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 hydrochloric acid oh by completing suicide he voided his 1000 pound life insurance policy <gasps> So the, the life insurance policy was 1,000 1, pounds at the time of the death uh-huh. and then 100 pounds a year for 20 years. Oh, nice. So there was like residuals. Avoided all of it. Yeah. By, by suicide, avoided all of it. But does being convicted of murder void life insurance? I wonder. I don't know. He was never convicted because he committed suicide. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. But I mean, I wonder like the other way. I mean, it's just got me thinking of all those prisoners like sentenced. Can they have life insurance policies out? He could have. He probably could have collected on his life insurance policy if he was hanged. Right? Rather than drinking the acid. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that his family would have been able to be provided for. Yeah. Instead, he left his wife and kids, his three kids, in so much debt. Yes. Yep. So he left them worse off and then even more worse off because of the shame and scrutiny of their husband and father being a murderer. Town gossip. Yep. Yep. Walter Spatchett was buried on January 11th, 1933 in Kentish Town Cemetery. Oh, wow. And in London, Mm -hmm. you can visit a museum called the Crime Museum Uncovered. Whoa. And you can see the charred chair as well as other artifacts. The typewriter might be there. Whoa. I want to go to that museum. You can also view the spade and booklet from the Cora Crippen case that we covered in episode 131. No way. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Is there a crime museum around here like that? I don't know. Right? I'm not sure. I want to see. I'm not sure. But in England, in London, you can visit it. They would, you know, they would in the Camden area. Crazy, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that is the murder of Walter Spatchett. That's crazy. 25 years old and just getting started with life. Right? Yep. I mean, he had his own business going around, collecting debts, mm-hmm. working alongside someone in a shed. <laughs> he just happened to work along someone desperate. I think Samuel would have gotten away with it longer if he would have checked the pockets. Yes. He might have been able to escape into oblivion. Right? Or just done a little bit more. Yes. It's like... He barely tried yep. to cover his trail. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just barely. <laughs> <laughs> Just barely. Well, that's super interesting. I love old time England cases. Me too. They're the best. Like there's some <laughs> there's something odd. It just goes to show you that murder's been around for a long time. Right? Yeah. And just like we got better at solving it, mm-hmm. they got better at committing it. <laughs> <Yes. too. laughs> Both things. And now there's digital footprints. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, listen to your mothers. Make good choices. And stay nosy neighbors. Cheers. Cheers. Clink. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I'm Mary. I'm Kylie. And you've been listening to Sipping with Snapped, 
a true crime podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Instagram at Sipping with Snapped, Twitter at Sipping Snapped, Facebook Sipping with Snapped, a true crime podcast. Join our Patreon Sipping with Snapped. And if you forget all that, go to our website www.sippingwithsnapped.com. We've got links to everything. Cheers. Cheers. Logan, say I love you. Bye.